Welcome tonight to Church Online and specifically to Life Shape Prayer and Discipleship. You know, God has a plan for your life. He will succeed. And you know what the reality is? He gives you a chance to participate. And tonight you can participate again because tonight is a time we can open up our hearts and realize we are coming to a close. In fact, tonight is the last one of our Life Shape Life Blocks. Tonight is the... Um, end of our module number four. You guys may remember uh, that tonight we are in module four. We're talking about the future, our life shape uh, prayer and discipleship tonight, the future, and specifically block 12, what's next? Uh, what, you know, now that we have learned all of this, now that we have gone through all of these things, what's next? Well, you may remember what we've talked about. Uh, it seems like it was so long ago, almost a year ago. In fact, uh, just in another two weeks, it will be one year since we joined together and first committed and heard that God was the only God of the universe. That Jehovah God, Almighty God, Him and Him alone. There is but one. There is no other. You know, God is not in competition with some other gods. He's not trying to be number one. He is the only one. When you are the only one, you don't have to try to be number one. You know, he does not need us for him to be God. Jesus does not need any of us for him to be the son of God. He does not need us for him to be Jesus. He does not need us for him to be Messiah. God does not need us to prove he's God. He is God with or without us. His son is Messiah with or without us. He chose us because he loves us like a father loves his children. And he has offered an opportunity, as a good father does, for his children to, to have their needs met and to, to know him, to understand him, to come to him and to have eternal life. We learned almost a year ago, we began this module. It was January the 2nd of, of, uh, of uh, 2013, a Wednesday night, when we first heard that God was this God of redemption. You know, God only chose to tell us one subject about himself. That's all. I mean, we know a lot about God, we think, but we really don't know very much. But the little bit that we do know is so dynamic. God has only chosen to reveal one subject about him. That would be like going into this vast library and taking out, you know, a, 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 an encyclopedia and opening it up and just seeing one word. And, on, and the only thing you know about all that's in that library is just about that one word. You see, that's all God has revealed to us. God has revealed to us one element of his godliness, one element of his godlikeness, and that is the element of redemption. And that's what our first module was about. Module one, redemption. We learned about how God created the heavens and the earth, how mankind was created by the hand of God in his image to live forever, and how sin was born through a subtle temptation of God's enemy and how that when mankind was deceived and they disobeyed God, sin separated them 
First, sin separated them from one another. Then sin separated them from God. Sin also separated them from the Garden of Eden, which was the provision of God in the earth. And then sin ultimately separated them from eternity and all that God had purposed for them throughout eternity. Sin separates. And we also found out that the only thing that could forgive sin and cover sin was blood. That without the shedding of blood, there was no remission of sin. There's no forgiveness of sin. There's no pardoning of sin. Sin dominates unless blood covers. And we found out that the blood of bulls and goats was a poor substitute for the blood of man. You would either pay for your own sin with all of your life's blood for eternity and you still would not pay it back or else God had defined a perfect sacrifice. And the only sacrifice that could pay for sin eternally was the blood of Almighty God. And so God sent his son, born of a virgin, carrying the very bloodline of Almighty God. And there, as a sacrifice, Jesus offered his blood as full and final payment for the sins of mankind for all eternity. And God required but one thing, and that is that we pay respect to the blood of Jesus by accepting his sacrifice as covering for our sin. It required us to get in agreement with God offering that sacrifice for our sin. And once we come into agreement, once any man, any person on earth, whoever lives, when they are willing to enter into a faith Field contract with God to accept the blood of Jesus, the Son of God, as payment for their sin, to receive Jesus as the Lord and Master, to put him back on the throne that God once occupied in his creation's life, then you are forgiven. You are born again. And with that, the Bible tells us our sins are past. Sin has two powers, you may remember. The first power that sin has is a power to eternally damn a soul to hell. That sin is dealt with by the blood of Jesus once and for all. When we receive the blood of Jesus, we are born again and we pass from death unto life and the sins which had power to damn our souls to hell are robbed of that power. Sin has a second power and that power is a governing power. We can yet, even as born-again believers, even as children of God, we can yield the members of our bodies to sin. And the sins that we submit to, they endeavor to govern our lives. Sin has a governing power. We can deal with that governing power through the forgiveness and the cleansing 
of the same blood of Jesus. According to 1 John 1, 9, that if we sin and then confess that sin before God, He is faithful and just to forgive us of that governing sin, and He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what the Apostle Paul said out of Romans, the 8th chapter, whenever 7th and 8th chapter, whenever he said that there was a law that he found, that when he would do good, evil was present with him, so that the things he did not want to do were the very things that many times captured him and tried to govern his life. And he cried out, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? He said, so with, 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 with my mind, I serve the law of God, for to will is present, but, but, but how to do it? My, 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 my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak, and, and I'm having a difficult time in this struggle. He says, but thanks be unto God who always gives me the victory, who always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. These two laws battle us in the earth. And for a man to say, I have no sin, makes him a liar. But for a man to come to Christ and to offer his soul upon an altar, to agree with God that he needs a Savior, and to accept and receive the blood of Christ, and there to embrace Jesus as Lord, is a born-again experience. From that time forward, we need to walk consciously, of our necessity to stay close to God and to continue to experience the cleansing and the forgiveness of these temporal failures that at times men experience by confessing our sin before him. What a gracious God. He made grace available to us, unmerited favor. The storehouse of God's grace is accessed by our trust in Him. The Bible says we can enter into the grace of God and stand in grace because we trust Him and because we have faith in Him. Not faith in us, but faith in Him. That was the module of redemption. We closed out that redemption module by understanding that once we are born again, we should follow Christ in water baptism. Not that water baptism creates salvation, but it gives us an answer of a good conscience toward God, the Bible says, and it stops the haunting of those enemies of the past. It's a grave into which the old man goes, buried there to be raised in the newness of life, to walk with Christ in a new way, a cutting of a covenant, not of, 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 of our flesh, but of our heart before God and our conscience. Then we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How important it is to be filled with a release of the power of God that we might be witnesses unto him 
to receive this power of the Holy Spirit as happened on the day of Pentecost. We went through the whole book of Acts and found that on occasion after occasion after occasion after occasion, people were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and it broke chains in their lives and they were set free. They spoke in tongues and they prophesied and they moved in gifts of healings and working of miracles and discerning of spirit and, 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 and they, they were conscious of this holy power at work within them on a new dynamic level through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The next module that we talked about was a module of new creation realities. It was important to understand what a person gets when they get born again. What do you get? What do you get access to? What, what happens in a person's life you know, that benefits? Why should you get born again? And we spent 12 weeks talking about the benefits of being born again and what you get because you are a new creation in Christ Jesus and old things have passed away and all things have become new and all things were of God who had reconciled us to himself by Christ Jesus to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself and has committed to us not only a word of reconciliation but a ministry of reconciliation that we should go forth into all the world as light shining because of the grace that's in us what do you get when you get born again you get God in your life immutably stationed irrevocably positioned that's what Luke 24 49 says that you know you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be you know you 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 shall uh, excuse me he, he said tarry you here in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high Luke 24:49. endued that word endued means immutably stationed irrevocably positioned in your life you see when you get God you get him all and he comes into your life and there he dwells with you and lives with you and you have access to God's stuff New creation reality is, is that, you know, you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're a child of God. Uh, we went to module three then. Twelve lessons in module three on new creation responsibilities. What should we do since we are born again? You know, new creation realities is what do I get when I'm born again? What are my new realities? You know, just like a child when they're born, you know, there's a certain reality in the womb. But there's a, a greater reality outside of the womb. There's a, even a greater reality when we step from this life to the next. We have a reality right now, but once we step from this life to the next, our reality will change. We will have a greater understanding of what God says. Well, when you are not born again, you have one reality. When you get born again, there is a new reality. And there are things that you have access to that are new realities. As well, you step in as a new creation to new responsibilities. We are responsible for the body of Christ. We are responsible for how much God moves and, and expresses himself in the earth. We have responsibilities as Christians. And we learned 12 lessons of things that we should do because we are born again. We don't work to get born again. We work because we are born again. We don't work uh, trying to get God to love us. We work because he does love us. We don't work trying to get uh, you know, salvation. We work for God because he was gracious enough to save our souls. And we have responsibilities. We are responsible 
We are the only church God has. I'm not talking about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock or the church you're in. I'm talking about the church in this generation, the church in the earth today, the worldwide church. We are the only church God has. And there's no Christian in the earth more powerful than you. Not one. There are, everyone is just as powerful as you. There's no Christian in all of the earth more responsible for the church than you are. Not one. There's no Christian in all the world more responsible for the lost than you are. You are responsible. You are every bit as responsible as I am. I'm not special. I have no special responsibilities. Okay? I have a job. You have a job. But you are every bit as responsible for God in the earth as I am. We are the church. I'm not the church. You're not the church. We are the church, a called out and called together collective group of individuals making up the body of Christ. We are the church. And every individual is as responsible for the church in the earth and for lost souls as every other individual who's born again. We are all equal in that, in our responsibilities. We all get the same pay at the end of the day. Okay, We all get the same heaven. We are responsible. Then we, the last 12 weeks, this being the 12th, we have been talking about the future. We started out in the book of Revelation, and we're ending up in the last chapter of Revelation. You can turn there right now to Revelation 22. We will end up going from verse 6 tonight all the way through the end of the book of Revelation. We've been talking about the future. We've talked about the tribulation. We've discussed the rapture of the church. We've, we've talked about angels. We've talked about uh, you know, so many things in, these la in, in this last year. And now, uh, now that we've you know, had the conclusion uh, and put these things in perspective, and we know that there's a millennial reign. There's a tribulation yet to come. There's a catching away of saints yet to come. There's a, 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 a millennial reign yet to come. There's a battle of Armageddon ahead of us. There's a, you know, there's a great white throne judgment ahead of us. There's, you know, uh, there's a new Jerusalem, a new heaven, and a new earth that stretches out ahead of us. But what can we do now? What's next? Let's begin reading in uh, Revelation 22, verse number 6. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Important point number one tonight, by the way, is Jesus is coming quickly. What's next? Listen. What's next is Jesus is coming, and he's coming quickly. Verse 7, that's what he said. Behold, I am coming quickly. What is quickly to you? Well, let me tell you exactly what quickly is to you. Jesus will come in your lifetime. You might say, how do you know that? Well, he comes for everybody in their lifetime. As far as you're concerned, he's coming in your lifetime. Now, whether he comes for the whole world or not, he's coming for you in your lifetime. And that's what you need to be concerned about. And believe you me, that's quickly. Okay? That's quickly. It could happen for any of us in a heartbeat. Okay? But most likely for every one of us, it will be within the next 200 years. <laughs> I gave you a little space. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. 
Now I, John, saw and heard these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, see that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant and of your brethren the prophets and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Important point number two, what's next? Well, Jesus is coming quickly, by the way. But number two, worship God. Let me tell you what's next. What's next is for us to worship God. This is where we must be found. In the end of the book, in the last of the days, we are admonished by the angels in heaven to pay close attention to worshiping God. Worship God. Verse 10, And he said to me, Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I am coming quickly. And my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Important point number three is that we are admonished to keep his commandments. What's next? What's next is to realize Jesus is coming quickly. For no one else, he's coming for us. And we must worship God while we are waiting, and we must keep his commandments. Worship God and keep his commandments. Isn't that fairly simple? Just do God's will, pay great respect to worshiping him, because Jesus is coming quickly. Verse number 15, But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murders and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bride and the morning star. Let me tell you something. In the last of the book, Jesus is still talking about his importance to the church and how important the church is to him. He sent the very last message to the churches. You see, Jesus is building the church as his bride. The church is the most important thing to Jesus. The Bible tells us that Jesus died for the church. The Bible tells us he's coming again for the church. And the one vision that he laid out for his disciples was that upon this rock I will build my church in such a manner that the devil will not be able to prevail against my church as it prevailed against Eve in the garden, that my church will not be deceived, my church will not be led into temptation, my church will be strong. I'm building my church. You see, the church is the body of Christ, the church is the family of God in the earth, and the church is so close to Jesus. He calls the church his bride. Why? Because the church and Jesus ultimately are one. In the same sense, that a man is one with his wife. That's how close Jesus expects the church to be. It behooves us to pay great respect to the church. 
I do not want to say anything negative about personal relationships with Jesus because without that, we don't have the church. But let me tell you for certain, your personal relationship with Jesus is not as far as God intended for you to go. God intends for every one of his children to have a personal relationship with other Christians in such a manner that he could call us a body, that he could call us as though my finger. He doesn't just love my finger. He loves my body. When I say me, I'm talking about more than just an ear. When I say Ron Hammonds, I'm talking about more than just a foot. I'm talking about more than just an eye. I'm talking about more than just an arm. And when Jesus talks about his bride, he's talking about more than just you. Hello. This is good preaching. It's good stuff. He's paying respect to his church. Here, even in the book of Revelation, that he sent this messenger, and the message was sent to the churches. The church is very important to Jesus. Very important. Verse 17, And the Spirit and the bride, talking about his church, the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. Well, what's next? Well, it's, it's evident the message is always come. It's always come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. That's what's next. What's next is you're going to see the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the bride saying, Come, an unequivocal, loud, worldwide voice saying, Come, all ye who are thirsty, come and drink of the water of life freely. Come. That's the message. That's what's next. We are going to see a great outpouring, a great revival, and a great voice from the church, from the Spirit and the church and the bride of Christ saying, come, come to Jesus. It's still the message. The message is not, this is how you can get a Cadillac. The message is not, this is how you can, you know, fly higher. And, you know, that's not the message. The message is come to Jesus. That's the message of these end days. And every generation has always been in their last days. Verse 18 for I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of, this, of, of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things that are written in this book. Let me tell you something. Point number six, don't change one thing in the Bible. What's next? You need to listen to me. Listen, some of you out there need to have, give this to your preacher. Give them this point. Don't change one thing in the Bible. The Bible is not up for change. Okay? The Word of God is not up for change. It's not up for debate. It's not up for change. The Word of God is solid. And today is a day when the devil would like for, for churches and denominations to change his Word. You know how many letters and how many uh, 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 groups and conferences are going on and going out around the world today telling us that this is not true, that's not true, this part of the Bible, that part of the Bible. We, we, we've got to be soft on this. We've got to start allowing this. After all, no, I'm sorry, but the Bible is not up for change. Not one word, not one jot, not one tittle. You want to know what's next? The solid Word of God is next. The Word of Almighty God, that's what's next. And it is not up for change. Don't change one thing. Verse 20, he who testifies these things says, surely I am coming quickly. That's the third time we've heard that in these few verses. Amen. 
the writer said, even so, come, Lord Jesus. And this is what he leaves us with. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Verse 21. That's point number seven. No matter what, you can always depend on the grace of God. God bless you. Depend on his grace.